James. James and Evelyn are indeed two of the choice gifts that God has given me. Um, he mentioned an organization I'm in the process of trying to organize. Uh, my two youngest grandsons Candy's two little boys. She's just had a, another little girl. And uh, Addison is six, and Aaron is three. And I'm trying to see if my attorney will not incorporate those two boys into a, a firm. Uh, and we're going to call it the Flynn Brothers demolition service. <laughs> they, uh, they don't have to touch anything. <laughs> All they have to do is come through the door <laughs> and furniture shifts and lampshades tilt. And, and, and pictures move, and little things shudder. <laughs> but I, I love them. This morning, I want us to look at a passage of scripture and focus our thinking around what I have titled recapturing our excitement. Recapturing our excitement. And the text is found over in John's Gospel. John's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 40 through 42. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. Uh, I started a series of sermons years ago and never really got into it, but I'm going to work on it. I've retired twice, and I'm still trying to find time to do some of the things that I have wanted to do. And I'm going to do a series of sermons on people Jesus looked at. I think that'd be a good series, James. Jesus looked at him, and he said to him, You're Simon. Son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Jesus looked and he said to him, This is what you are, but I want to tell you what you're going to be. Isn't it 
marvelous that when Jesus enters into our lives and when we're honest with him and let him deal with us, that life is not static or negative. I feel sorry for people who lose their excitement for living. I've known a lot of them. I've dealt with a lot of them. I've tried to help a lot of them. The nursing home population of America grows and grows and grows as we continue to have through the advances of medical science more and more of us who get older and older. But the great tragedy of so many who get older is that somewhere along the way the excitement for life itself is lost. And you and I need to come to, come to a time, hope I didn't destroy your machine over there, son, okay, so I was excited. There needs to come that time for, for every one of us to, to stop and to go sit down by the lake and to feel the cool breeze and to look at the clouds in the sky and to, and to tune out whatever the noise happens to be except the good sounds of nature itself and to think about what life is all about, what our life is all about, where we are, where we've been, but to really take a hard look and say, have I lost some of the excitement that I used to know in the matter of my Christian life? I think it was March in 1988, I read a clipping in our Nashville newspaper, read an article, and I clipped it out. And it was an article that was datelined Atlanta. And the story was this, that a man had been an employee of a certain firm for quite a long number of years, had been in the same physical office for quite a number of years, had used the same desk for quite a number of years and had used for, I don't know, maybe 20 years, I forget the time frame, for 20 years, a very interesting paperweight. It was just kind of a pretty big, nice stone that he had found and he had picked it up and he brought it to his office and he had been using it for maybe 20 plus years as a paperweight on his desk. And somebody came in and looking just, you know, as you would look at things on a man's desk, and the way he saw that particular stone, and he said, what in the world are you doing with that just, that thing sitting on your desk like that? He said, well, just a stone. He said, I've enjoyed looking at it. I just used it as a paperweight for all, all these years. And the man said, I don't think you know what you've been using for a paperweight. He said, let's go together down to a jeweler. And they took that paperweight to a jeweler in Atlanta. And the jeweler's eyes popped out when he saw one of the largest blue star sapphires known to exist, worth literally millions of dollars. 
Now, that relates a little bit to a, to a story that I read years before that about a man in Rome who was going down the street and he looked in a rock shop and he saw a pretty rock that was in the window and it was uh, for one lira. And he went in, took a little closer look at it and that one rather common quote, in quote, rock for one lira turned out to be a very fine flawless diamond and he bought it for the one lira and then sold it for a little more than that. And so the story goes, it now is in some crown jewel collection somewhere. The everyday things of life that we just handle, that we just look at, that we just might even enjoy, but even to the point where we don't even see some things anymore. I can well imagine that fella in Atlanta, after all those years, with that pretty blue rock, that pretty blue stone, he really didn't even see it anymore. You know, it was just there. We've all had that kind of an experience. Uh, there's something, there's a blank spot in the living room, and we know that we think that the thing will just be right, we think about it, we dream about it, the thing that'll just be right will be a picture. Now we've got just that right picture in mind, and so we, we save up, and we look around and whatnot, and finally we find that picture, and we take it and we hang it, and every time we enter the living room, every time we walk through the living room, every time we get near the living room, for days and weeks after that, we glance over at that picture and smile. It's just exactly right. And then we get to the place to where we come in, you don't even look over there anymore. You don't even see it anymore. And if somebody would say, describe all the things in your living room, well, you might sit and you think about the thing. You might not even think about that picture that was just so absolutely right and just gave you that excitement at that moment and it just was the thing that you needed. What am I saying? It is that some of the big and wonderful and important things of life that we possess and have given us an excitement at some time in our lives that if we're not very careful, those things just can get awfully ho-hum. And we need to regain the excitement what life is all about. Jesus said to this old fisherman, I know what you are, I know who you are right now, but you can only begin to imagine what you're going to be when I'm through with you. And it's wonderful what Jesus does with us. I can't hardly imagine what some of us would have been if Jesus had not touched our lives, had not shaped us and inspired us and motivated us and changed us and changed the direction of our lives. You see, while that was true in some significant momentous event of the past, it's not past history. It doesn't have to be past history. For whatever you are today, today is the 11th day of August, 1992. In the year of our Lord is we're here in this room that has an awful lot of memories for a lot of us 
uh, in the activities of the past. We're here in Glorietta, but now whatever we are, whatever has brought us to this moment in each one of our individual lives, that doesn't mean that if we have a year or two or five or 10 or 20 or 40 years left to live on this earth, that we have to be in every one of those days exactly what we are this morning. The possibility of what we are, but with a new, fresh touch from Jesus to become what he wants us to be. How does that come about? How does that happen? That we can take where we are and what we are at this given moment and that with the touch of Jesus for our life that we can really grow in Christ-likeness. We are, but we can still become in him. There are a number of ingredients, there are a number of tools, there are a number of things that I think can touch that, 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 that we can apply to bring about those wonderful and necessary changes in our lives. And by the way, if you don't want to change for the better, you are going downhill fast, changing for the worse. No such thing as status quo. Dear black friend said once, what's the definition of status quo? And another dear black friend of his said, well, status quo means, well, that's, that means the mess we're in. And that's good definition. Good definition. Nobody likes the status quo. If you're just exactly what you were a year ago, you better get off by yourself and pray a little. If you're just exactly the same sort of person that you were or that you thought you were five years ago, you better, you better get under the microscope and take a fresh look at yourself. How does change then come about? It comes about when we are willing to find ourselves, when we're willing to, to find indeed our It's never too late to discover our destiny. It's never too late to discover why God has put us at this particular time and place in the history of the world. We must find ourselves. And somewhere along that journey and that spiritual pilgrimage, we must learn to accept ourselves. Some folks never learn to do that. But in Christ Jesus, to accept ourselves for all that he is, Peter was disciplined by the Lord when he came to accept himself. We must, along the way, in our movement toward positive growth and positive change in our lives, we are, but we can become in Christ Jesus. We must learn how to extend ourselves. When you just live for yourself, when the circle about you is very, very close and you just pray for the same one or two or three or four every day, every day, every day, every day, when you just walk the same paths every day, every day, every day, when you're concerned, when your horizon is right up close to you, you don't have much joy in life. Somewhere along the way, 
We start becoming like Jesus when we learn to extend ourselves. That's one reason through all these years I've been so happy to be a Baptist. Because being a Baptist means that I have been able to extend through the lives of millions of other people dedicated to the name of Jesus. I've been able to extend myself all over the world with the gospel message. Isn't that wonderful? It's terrible to live a selfish life in a world like we have. Somewhere along the way, we grow when we learn how to expend ourselves. That is to give ourselves away. The more you keep, the less you have. How long it takes us to learn that. You cannot outgive God. Some folks never learn that. When we learn to give away, we learn how to live. We, along the way in this growth process, we learn to achieve for ourselves. Now that's not an ego statement. For if you do not want to achieve for the glory of Jesus, then you're static. No, you're going downhill to achieve big things. It is possible in Christ Jesus to turn our trials and our difficulties and our tensions into triumphs. But only Christians are able to do it. The only explanation for the Christian life, Romans, it says, for all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Only Jesus can take the negative of our life and turn it into positives that will bring glory to him. That was my Sue's life verse. And we cut it on the stone that marks her grave. For all things work together for good. So we need to recapture the excitement. The excitement of when we first knew Jesus. The excitement of when we first accepted a challenge and a job and set our hearts and our minds to it. We need to recapture the excitement. It's never too late. However long you've been in the business, whatever your age, whatever your experience, whatever your background, the joy of life is to recapture the excitement of what it means to walk with Jesus. Jesus said, here this morning, to you, said, says, I know what you are, but I know what you can become when we work at this thing together. Our Father, we're so grateful that you touch our lives for all the glorious past experiences that have been mountaintop experiences for us, for all those experiences where we've walked in the depth of crisis and despair, and you've led us out, and out of it you have blessed us along the way. For all of the opportunities that friendships bring, for all of the joys and the excitement of new learning and new opportunity that it brings us, we thank you. And, O oh God, may we, in each of our conferences, 
as we learn, as we share with each other, may we rekindle the excitement of what it is to be your servant. In Jesus' name, amen.